You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Muy buen día, mi gente, and welcome to Hispanic Wealth Matters, episode numero siete. Uh, I have the privilege today to have another one of my good friends, Mr. Juan Santana, who is a real estate agent here in the West San Fernando Valley. Uh, well, in LA County, but he lives in the West San Fernando Valley. He has been an agent for well over 13 years, has sold over 250 homes, and he is an excellent, excellent negotiator. But the reason I have him on the show today is because his family business is in construction. So Juan has a unique way of looking at deals from both the real estate side of things and the construction side of things. And I thought that his expertise, and again, coming from conversations that he and I have had and clients that we've shared together would be very, very good to listen to. Now, in this episode, you want to listen to the tips he has for hiring a proper contractor and also the advice he gives you on how to add value to your home. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Let's get into it. Okay, friends, we are here with Juan Santana. As I explained, Juan has been a friend of mine for well over, oh my goodness, nearly 20 years. And it's been it's been wonderful. I'm very close to him and to his family. And he is also a very successful realtor. He sold over 250 homes in his career, I think over 270 homes by now. And today I wanted to bring him on because he also has a lot of expertise around the construction space with his family being in that sort of a business as well. And him being in real estate, there's a lot of synergy to that. So as always, we start with getting to know our guest a little bit. So Swan, tell us your origin story. Where does it all begin? How do you get into real estate? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me on your show, Jose. Really appreciate it. You know, I'm definitely excited to share a little bit of information. So about myself, you know, the real estate, it, it actually started more with the construction side from the age of five, you know, going on job sites with my dad. He's been in construction, a general contractor for over 20 years. And and more importantly, it's just going out to the field and helping him be hands on and getting whatever tools he needed. I started getting a lot of passion and a lot of love, you know, seeing what he did, seeing buildings being built whether it was home, seeing the expressions on people's faces when, you know, at the start of a project, in the middle phase of the project, and then at the end of the project. And that feeling itself transitioned over to, to now me being about 12, 13 years old and my parents being able to buy their first house. You know, seeing the emotion that they went through, you know, in, in first going out looking at houses, that level of excitement, following up by like, hey, let's get an offer submitted. Your offer is accepted. Now you're an escrow. And ultimately them handing key, you know, getting keys and looking at us and saying, hey, guys, we have a house. You know, my my family, we've, we primarily lived in the whole Van Nuys, Lake Pablo area all our lives. Um, we did a lot of movement, right? So we, we started in one apartment. From one apartment, we ended up going to a townhouse. From a townhouse, then we ended up renting a house and then ultimately ended up buying a house. So so it was always a move or a step of basis where, where my parents always try to do the best that they could and try to get us into a better situation. So, you know, the real estate side began just by seeing their raw emotion and how they felt and how I felt more importantly now as a teenager. So I, I, yeah. And, and it's interesting. So I was, I was 13 or 14 years old when, because of the 94 earthquake, my mom and my dad were able to get a home through FEMA as a, as a, as a government program, right? But I talk often on the show about the idea that 
buying your first home as a family is it changes generations because now kids aren't growing up as renters. They're growing up seeing homeowners. And that idea of homeownership now becomes a possibility. Did you experience that being already a, as a teen? Because I know it meant the world to me as a teenager. Did you see any of that yourself at that point in time? Oh, absolutely. Coming from a small town from Mexico, right? You know, everybody that left the town and came to live here in the States to to get a better life, you know, the majority of them were renters. So my you weren't born here, right? I wasn't. I was born in Mexico. How old were you when you came? God, I don't know, a couple of years, two years, three years. You know, I was fairly small. But we did Mm -hmm. a travel back and forth, like, you know, spend time over there with the grandparents and then come over here and, and spend the whole school year out here. And now in your profession, you've sold so many homes and you've been able to guide people through that process. And the reason I was very curious and wanted to bring you on was because of this expertise that you have on both sides of the table in terms of helping people buy homes. And homes aren't always perfect. Sometimes they need construction. Sometimes they need repairs. And you you carry that in your pedigree and in your background. So I wanted to kind of go through a, a few questions with you and get your advice and wisdom in terms of what are the things that people should be looking for when they are buying homes that maybe need construction or when they're thinking about doing construction on their homes. So I guess my first question would be, if you are someone that has bought a home and maybe let's call it, it's a fixer upper, what do you think is the steps? What is the process that you go through in selecting a proper general contractor? How do you advise your clients? Right. So, so the biggest thing that you want to do, obviously I always recommend word of mouth, right? More than 80% of my business comes straight from word of mouth. So if you know somebody that has had work done to their house, that work might be, maybe if it's a bathroom remodel, kitchen, paint outside, inside, you always want to reach out to them and and see your family members and trusted friends, right? Like, who did you use? What was your overall experience on it? So my recommendation, first off, would be that. Second, you know, taking it a step further, you want to see what that individual has done, right? So so if a friend tells me, hey, you know, I have a client that, or I have a buddy of mine that's looking to remodel their house, well, I want to be able to provide something of substance to them, you know, whether it's, you know, pictures of past projects or current projects I'm working on, being able to say, hey, you know what, Jose, come on out to my side. I'm working at 1234th Street right now, and this is what I'm doing to it. So you have an idea of what kind of projects I work on. And and lastly, you want to make sure that you, you know, if they can provide some type of testimonials, whether it's, you know, past clients that can vouch for your service or vouch for the quality of the work that you do. I mean, I would think those are the top three things that all individuals looking to get some work done and hire someone should should definitely consider. And so here's what I like about the, all those tips that you just gave. You didn't say go with the cheapest guy, right? No, not at all. That, that wasn't even part of your thought. Like you wasn't in the top five at all. No, right? it's, you know, and and in my career, I've seen it time and time again, where folks will go, will always go to the, the least expensive, right? And nine out of 10 times, their project gets stopped, gets delayed, because those people, if they don't even know how to bid a job properly, Mm-hmm. And they're undercutting, you know, call it their profits. What is it to tell you that they're going to have enough money to continue the work on your house? They're not going to. They're going to run out of money. And nine out of 10 times, they're using your money to fund your project and another project. And then the money they get from that one, they're using it to fund the next one and so forth. And they don't have capital aside to be able to, to, to sustain a, you know, a rainy day. Yeah. And, and I was telling you on our pre-call that I didn't even learn until about six years ago or so when we had to get the roof done at our house. 
that 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 contractors you're going to clarify but i know it's something around a 10 percent rule of money up front that they can't take more than that what what's that rule it, exactly it's 10 percent or a thousand dollars and that's when you sign the contract at the time that you sign the contract can they collect more money afterwards sure you know three days later if they deliver materials or something then they'll have a payment schedule that you guys have worked out and at that point it's you know, based off of phases and based on your agreement. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I learned, right? So the guy that was doing it, I had gotten two quotes. The first guy wanted me to give him half the job up front, which was a ton of money. We're talking about a roof, you know? So I think right. it would have been like $25,000 up front. The second guy said, no, here's, this is what he did. He's, I think it was a thousand bucks. You're right. And he's like, it's a thousand dollars. And now, uh, and that, you know, that secures the pricing that I'm giving you. And then these are the faces. We're going to do all this work and you pay us this much. Then we're going to do this work and you pay us this much. And that's the way he did it. And, and that's what made me, he wasn't the least expensive one overall, but I felt comfortable that he had a process that needed to be followed that, that seemed to be logical to me. It seemed to make sense. I do work, you pay me, <laughs> not, not pay me half the job up front. And right. like you said, the concern he explained to me later was that you are financing other projects, right? That money that you that I was given for my roof, had I gone with that first guy, would have gone to buy bricks at another guy's house. Exactly. You know? And so, and I think that that's certainly, certainly a sign of a business that's not rent properly. And I think it was interesting what you said about not being able to bid a job correctly. Can I go into that a little bit? What does that what does that mean and what should someone be looking for? So when it comes to bidding a job properly, right? A lot of folks that, that they'll they'll find out or they'll know, you know, different contractors what they're charging, whether it's in new construction, they call that a price per square foot, mm-hmm. or in remodel, co- you know, in remodel jobs. And what they tend to do is they go in low to try to just secure you the way they make up their money. And this is where the consumer needs to be careful on is there's always extras change orders, things of that sort that they don't like to discuss up front or they don't like to advise a client of upfront. Now, is this you know, is me- something that, so that, that, that the contractor could probably see ahead of time, but they don't want to oh, yeah. talk about it ahead of time. Potentially. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I mean, and if you, for example, if you go through my past clients, right. And, and you talk to them about their experience with me, the first thing they're going to tell you is he's ahead of the game in terms of communication. Cause I'm a firm believer. If, if I do less change orders, that means I've done a great job of initially, you know, discussing with you what the expectations are, what you're potentially going to be running into any roadblocks or any things of that sort. But more importantly, it's, you know, everybody knows where they stand financially because as a contractor, right, you don't want to start a job, you know, you bid it, you're halfway down the job and you start charging extras and so forth. And then the client has no money to pay you to finish the job. What happens there? Well, the consumer's not happy because their project's not being completed. And you as a contractor that didn't know how to bid the job properly are not going to get your full compensation that you were hoping to get or expecting to get. So -hmm. that's why people shouldn't necessarily go with the cheapest one or least expensive one. They should go with the one that they feel most comfortable with that has taken the time and explained the process, that has the, the experience of it and can guide them through the process the right way. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. And I also like what you said about having a showing of business, a book of business that they can show to demonstrate the capacity of work that they've done before. You probably don't generally want to be the first guy that they're doing work with, right? You don't want to be the one that they're learning with, at least not if you're paying, you know, top dollar for for the work you're doing. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think that, that I thought that was pretty pretty interesting and important to to know. Now let's switch back to your realtor hat and your realtor side of what you you do. And let's say someone bought a home, but now they want to add value or make sure the home retains its value. What are the things that are most important to focus on when it comes to to that? You know, that's a great question, right? So when I have this conversation with clients, my my first question is, well, what are you looking to do? Are you looking to buy this house now? Are you going to turn around and sell it within a year? The conversation is going to be tailored a little different than if you tell me, no, Juan, I want to keep this property for 10, 15 years and then sell it at that time. And the reason I say this is because if it's a conversation of, look, I want to retain the value or increase the value so I can sell it in a year or two years. Well, I'm going to tell you, then we got to touch your kitchens and we got to touch your bathrooms. Those are the biggest selling points in a home. If the conversation is, I'm going to keep this for 10, 15 years, then I'm going to ask you, well, what is your, you you know, what are you looking to do as far as your family size, right? Is your family going to go up in size? Is it going to decrease in size? Do you need out a bedroom? How is it that you can make your living situation more comfortable because you're going to be there more long-term than not? Mm, that's a great that's a great point and and i think that one of the reasons that we are able to do so much great work together is that whole analysis i was just talking on on socials yesterday about how asking the right questions and having the talent to ask the right questions is so important in life and rather than just being an order taker you're asking the client well what is the long-term plan for the property or what is the plan in general for the property which i think is is key in terms of placing the money in the in the right place. So I thought that was that's very very interesting. Cool man. So anything else? You, any other tips you would like to share to to the, the audience in terms of renovations in homes or things that you think are important or that they should know when they're looking to do any kind of construction on their property? Sure. You know when it comes to pricing, for example, the biggest thing you want to do is compare apples to apples, right? So I always tell people when I go, you know, whether it's bid a job or or anything of sort, it's like, well, you want to get at least two, three different estimates for the same work. Now, I'll provide a rent estimate to you. Make sure whoever else bid it provides one to you and you actually open and compare apples to apples. So you see what each one is including. Now, if my bid is, you know, $10,000, person B's bid is $9,000 and the next one is $5,000. There's something in there that's not matching up between the three bids. Nine out of 10 times, you'll have two out of the three that are going to be very close in price. And then you're going to have the third one that's going to be totally off. So my biggest tip would be make sure that you're comparing apples to apples and that you have a clear cut communication with whoever you're interviewing for the job of your, you know, of fixing or repairing or, or adding square foot to your home. And then second of all, I would I would definitely encourage that, you know, you start budgeting ahead of time. If you know that you're going to be doing a big old remodel where you're knocking down walls, be prepared that you're going to need an architect and you're going to need an engineer. And those come with a price tag. More importantly, if you're going to be doing that type of work, I'm going to recommend that you definitely get permits taken, that you definitely get permits taken out and that you get city inspectors involved. If it's just paint the house inside and out, you don't need permits. You don't need an inspector for something like that. If it's, you know, let me just change the flooring from the existing hardwood to a different type of of laminate or or anything anything else, you're not going to need inspections. So just be aware. And more importantly, whoever you're hiring, ask them that question. Hey, do you have experience already dealing with the city? How long does the process take? And is it something that, you know, fits the timeline that we're looking to complete the project in? Yeah, no, that is huge, huge. Guys, listen, when I was doing any time I've done construction, and by the way, I hate doing construction in my own home because it's tough. 
it's it's a lot of dust. There's a lot of strangers walking through your house. But I got to tell you, having someone that knows how to deal with the permitting process and not just that, but how to deal with the inspectors from the city when they come to your house, because it is an art dealing with them. It's it's going to make a huge difference. I did a, a electrical panel and the, we didn't pass inspection the first time around over half an inch in, in size, like where it was supposed to be placed. Half an inch. Okay. You wouldn't think it would be that big of a deal, half an inch, but half an inch is what made the difference. And the guy had to go and come back two weeks later. So I think that that's, that's phenomenal advice in, in, in questioning and asking what experience do you have dealing with the city and dealing with inspectors and, and kind of speaking that same dialogue. You, you know, and, and really quick, just to, to share this with all the listeners as well. Keep in mind, when you get the city involved, the city inspector's job isn't there to make your life as a homeowner difficult. They're actually there to protect you and make sure that the work that needs to get done in the timely manner or quality that it should be getting done and with the materials that need to be used, that that's exactly what's happening. So a lot of folks have that misconception that like, oh, I don't want to deal with the inspector or the inspectors are out to get me. The reality is that they're there to protect the homeowner and make sure that the, the work is getting done right by the contractor. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that 100%. Okay, cool. So how can people get a hold of you? What areas do you service? And if they want to come out and, and have questions for you, how can they reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So the areas I service is all of Los Angeles County and the greater area. So San Fernando Valley, LA, Antelope Valley, Santa Clarita, all around. If they're looking to get a hold of me, the easiest way is one of two ways. It can be directly by phone at 818-314-1102. Once again, 818-314-1102, or uh, they can also do it in social media. My handle on social media is Juan Santana Real. So either one of those two would be the easiest ways to get in touch with me. Yep. And guys, little selfish plug here. Juan and I will be doing a first-time home buyer. Actually, no, we're not doing it. We changed it. It's not going to be a first-time home buyer. It's going to be a real estate seminar coming up in, in the next 40, 30 to 45 days. We'll be announcing it in both of our socials. But yeah, we're doing a real estate seminar. We're going to be talking about these topics and other topics including first-time home buying. So thank you, as always, for listening. Hispanic Wealth Matters, and we will catch you on the next one. See ya. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.